Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Welcome to everybody who is at home. And we do remember, of course, our friends and family at Oasis Church in Wallasey as well, who will be joining us uh, via the live stream later. Um, just as we are uh, entering into our time together, a few things for those of you who are here in the building, um, notably for those who are families. Um, of course, you're aware of our family room downstairs where you can go if you need a bit of space to make some more noise and move around. But today, there is a fuller in-person children's program starting um, as part of our gatherings in the church. So uh, when it comes time, and I think it's after the second song, if I'm right, um, to, to um, go out for that, if you would please use the rear um, way down through the through the basement downstairs and you'll be able to check in your children and they'll be able to go and have fun um, shall we come and pray together this morning Lord Jesus Christ we thank you as we do each week um, not so much that we get to come and to take part in something, but rather that we are here today being reminded that our lives indeed are ordered around someone. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the center of everything. You're the center of our being and of our doing. And Lord Jesus Christ, this gift of Sunday this our shared Sabbath day, this time of gathering and remembering of renewal, this time of celebration and inspiration, this gift to us makes everything else make sense. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we do ask that you would meet with us in a profound and particular way this morning, that God, your spirit would move freely amongst us, having your way above all things, form us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Send us in the way of Jesus Christ. Transform us by your grace, we pray. Amen. 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 Why don't you just take this moment to offer yourself to God, to recenter your life, your being, your doing around who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And you know, lift your hearts, lift your hands, lift your voices, however you want to, but say, Jesus, thank you for this gift. I am yours. I am yours. Thank you, Jesus. Church, can I invite you?
can I invite you to uh, present your request to God this morning and to, to move uh, some of the things perhaps that we, that we sing about from being sometimes it's possible isn't it they can be the lived experience of somebody else but they, they don't really necessarily become personal for us it's possible sometimes that we sing and, and we celebrate things that, that can seem a little abstract but God is wanting to make the moving of his spirit among us quite, quite concrete and I just want to read to you just a few verses from Romans 12 and I want to do this really just to fire your imagination as to what it might be for you for us in this place, at this time, doing the work that God places before us. And so reflect upon this. Let love be genuine, the scriptures teach. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly, with sisterly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I'm going to stop there, not because the rest isn't glorious, it is, but just to stop at some point. Otherwise, we'll be in Revelation before we know it. But come on. What are you longing for in Christ? When you sing Spirit Break Out, what are you desirous of? What are you dreaming of? What are you hoping for? If you're honest, where do you recognize that there are deficiencies and shortcomings perhaps half-heartedness, maybe even hopelessness has started to creep in. Where do we recognize we're at and where do we long to go? This is what it is to, to sing Spirit Break Out. It's not just some sense of a, a fine or, or fuzzy moment. It's not just an emotional high. This is, God, would you move upon your people so that we look more like Jesus? God, would you move upon your people so that we go about the work of Jesus? more fully, with, with more anticipation, with more expectation. God, would you move upon us so that the deepest desire and longing of our heart would be to glorify you with everything we have and to help one another in that glorious pursuit. So come on, offer your life. Yes, yes, yes. Start with spirit breakout. But then what does that mean? Come on, do you need to confess your sins to Christ? Then do so. God is faithful and just. He forgives sins. He cleanses from all unrighteousness. Do you need to allow for there to be an awakening within you? Maybe you've just thought, well, actually, I don't know whether I do have any desire. Well, then offer that to the Lord. Offer that to God and say, would you awaken within me? Awaken within me. Maybe there are desires. Maybe they've been laying dormant for too long. Then we say, Spirit, break out. Move among us, move among us, move among us. I'm going to ask the team to sing this over and over uh, us again. But I would ask you, don't just join in in a generic sense. Give yourself. Give yourself to the working of the Spirit. Jesus, in me, in me, in us. So come on, church. They're going to do the singing.
we're going to offer ourselves. So can I invite you? It's an excellent thing to do, is to lift your hands before the Lord. Can I invite you to do that? And it's a sign both of our surrender, our submission to God, but also of our longing as children before our Father, saying, God, please, lift me up. Lift me up and lift your hands, lift your hearts, please, and, and lift your voices. And, and look, if you, mean, if you find that that means you're on your knees, then it doesn't mean you're not lifting. It certainly does. But Jesus, Jesus, oh God, we lift our church one another, one another before you, Lord Jesus. We're loving one another with this brotherly affection. Oh God, those online stream, those that are oasis in wallet. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask for the very particular and very providential work of your Spirit to break out among us this place at this time God you know us you are foreordained your will through us Lord God
spirit break out and break our walls down a spirit break out and heaven come down God, we, we want to proclaim over one another, proclaim over this church, Lord God, those who are gathered, those who are not present but are with us, each and every one. Lord God, we want to proclaim, Lord Jesus, um, some spiritual realities, remind ourselves of what is true. We recognize before you and we're thankful, dear God, that we are indeed seated with Christ in heavenly places. We thank you for the reality that we are hidden in Christ, in God. We thank you, dear Spirit, that you are our seal and guarantee, that you are both preserving us until the day of the coming of Christ Jesus, but that you are also at work within us, sanctifying us, making us holy, at work within all surrendered lives that we might be changed from one degree of glory into another. Lord God, we both thank you for these things and we remind ourselves of these things. Lord God, my prayer over us is that we would be ever more desirous for the working of you, Holy Spirit, in our lives, in our church, in our world. God, we don't want it to be said of us that we're slothful, lazy in zeal. No, we want it to be said of us that we eagerly desire the greater gifts that we're passionately desiring the works of your Spirit among us. Please, God. Please, God. Church, I, I was chatting with somebody just this week, and, and I said to them over the table, I said, what is it that you want the Spirit of God to be doing in your life? And I guess we, we probably had some generalities, but I felt very moved to say, okay, well, what are the specificities? Come on. Come on. I mean, are you wrestling with kind of besetting sins that you keep hidden and secret, but you keep on going around in cycles of these? Don't you want to be free? Be specific before your God with the humility that the Scriptures invite us into to be free. Because Christ Jesus, who sets people free, sets them free so that they can be free indeed. Not free in part, but free actually, fully, excitedly. Come on, do you see people around you and they're, they're hurting with the pains of, of physical brokenness, mental or emotional brokenness? Do you want to move in the, the gifting of healing? Is there anybody here this morning? Nobody? <laughs> Just me? <laughs> Come on, church. I bet there's a few of you. Come on, well then ask God, would you move in me? Fill me. Gift me, Lord Jesus Christ, this power to pray for the sick and see them healed 
to pray for those who need a miraculous touch and see their circumstances and life transformed. Do you see folks around you and they're, they're lost and lonely, they're wandering and weary? Don't you want to speak the words of the very wisdom and knowledge of God into their lives so that they would know that He cares and know how they should walk before Him? And say, God, would you speak these wonders? Not so that I get on a ticket or think too highly of myself, but in humility, I might speak freedom into the lives of my brothers and sisters. Does anybody want to prophesy? Ask God that he might speak these wonders of his kingdom so that you might foretell the kingdom in and through the lives of your church into this world. Come on. Long for these things in God. Long for these things. Don't be slothful in zeal. Eagerly desire. Don't be slothful in zeal, but eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Now, I bet there's some of us here, and you know, maybe through this Alpha course, there's something been awakened within us to witness, witness to what we have seen and heard in Christ, to be able to tell our story of the grace of God. Maybe even to kind of grow in evangelistic gifting. Maybe you're feeling God, something quicken something in your spirit. Well, come on, today's your day. If that's you, lift your hands before the Lord and say, God, that's me. I want to tell my story and your story and to see people come to faith. And God, I want you to, to speed that up both within me and within them also. Jesus, we're desirous of seeing people come to faith in you for their lives to be transformed. If that's you, come on. Call out to God and say, work within me, Jesus. Move in me in these days, Lord God. And offer those folks before the Lord that you're so loving, so wanting to love into the very kingdom of God. Jesus, would you do this, Lord God? Would you do this? Spirit of God, break our walls down. Oh, Jesus, set us on fire. Set us on fire. I'm sensing God's call for us to um, persevere in these things. Uh, God's, God's looking for a faithful people. He's looking for a faithful people. There are far too many flash-in-the-pan people in our world. Christian and otherwise. God is looking for a faithful people. So come on, would you do a Nehemiah with me? <laughs> You're wondering what on earth is he asking me to do? I didn't bring my trowel or my sword for that. Well, you might have brought your sword. Sword of the Spirit. Nehemiah, where did it begin? Um, he sat down. <laughs> so you can do that, can't you? Would you sit down? And, but keep your eyes closed if you would do that at home. Maybe don't, don't this is not the moment to make your cup of tea. Um, that'll come later probably but uh, just sit down and just for a moment or two just articulate your eager desire before God just silently within your heart just a phrase, a sentence, a word, a name just articulate your eager desire before God but as we do so we make this resolution God, not a flash in the pan Remind me, return me, Lord Jesus, when I reach my home this evening as I lay my head down, as I wake tomorrow. Make me faithful. Make me faithful. 
Amen. 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 Our church, in a moment or two, we've just got a nice something that we're going to share, I think, aren't we? A video presentation. And it really is, um, it's verse 10 of Romans 12. It's outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> it's, um, did you know today is thank you day? Have you heard about this? No. Who do you want to say thank you to today? Are you thankful? Look, come on, we've been presenting our requests to God, but the Scriptures teach us in Paul's letter to the Philippians that we present our requests and we do so with thanksgiving. Come on, if you're sat next to somebody today, what can you say thank you to them for? Go on, think of something quickly. Just say thank you to somebody near you. Would you do that? For, for something, you know, for something. Just thank them for a moment or two. And then we're going to uh, have a wonderful presentation. Are we ready? Why don't you put your eyes on the screen or your screen at home? We've got a presentation for you. Mysterious pneumonia outbreak in Wuhan, China. A new type of coronavirus. The number of affected countries has tripled. The World Health Organization has just declared that this is a pandemic. I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. COVID-19, especially COVID the new variant, is spreading quickly across the country. This puts many people this at risk of serious disease and is placing a lot of pressure on our NHS. Wash your hands, cover your face indoors, and keep your distance from others. Gatherings will be gatherings You must all stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. Hi there. We're really Hi there. glad that you've been able really to join us this morning um, for the very first online live streaming service. Live streaming service.
in many senses. Uh, this isn't church as we would quite want it, although for those of you who are in your PJs on your third cup of coffee at home, probably is. Would you say thank you to as many people as you possibly can today? Would you do that? You can talk to me. Would you do that? Would you, would you thank as many people in your church as you possibly can today? And, you know, we want to thank all of these wonderful people, not only for what has happened as part of our church and in our community. We want to thank everybody who has served so diligently. We're very, very aware. We have huge numbers of medical professionals in our church. Don't we owe them a debt of gratitude? Yeah, and we've got so many other key workers in social care, in education, in so many other sectors, all the people who have contributed so much to our church family, to our church's witness, and within the world. Would you say thank you to as many people as possible today? Amen. Would you do that? Yeah. Come on, don't let these things pass you by. You know, I am very conscious that I'm the kind of person who gives you 24 things to do before breakfast. Does anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, Pastor Graham, would you just dial it down a little bit? And it's, it's very easy to let all these things pass you by. Okay, this is not me. I haven't given you this. Romans 12 and verse 10 has given you this. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the word of God for you today. Outdo one another in showing honor. Who can you love? radically and righteously and, and riotously? Who can you love in such ways that you're really just going to put a smile on their face and a tear in their eye? I tell you, it doesn't take much for me to cry these days. Anybody else? I cry, I cry about four times a day, I reckon. <laughs> I sat at the side of the stage with a little, you know, oh, you got me favor. I don't know. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be faithful in these things. Come on, we've got to move from being people who require an emotional buzz to get stuck into the work of God to being people who are willing to give our entire lives and lay everything down, lay everything down for the sake of the cross, for the sake of the lost. Come on, come on. We are considering as a church how it is that we build back better. Build back better. We don't want to go back to normal, we go forward to better. And we've been following the wonderful leadership of a man named Nehemiah in our Bibles in the Old Testament, and it's towards the end of the history of the Old Testament, although it's kind of earlier on in the list of the books. We're coming to understand that God has given us everything that we need in order to build back better. You might think, oh, how can that possibly be? Well, here's how it can possibly be, because what did they have when they built back better in Jerusalem all those years ago? They had rubble. Does anybody feel like they've got rubble? <laughs> Does anyone feel like there's plenty of rubble in the world as things are broken down? Does anybody ever feel broken down? Well, this book in the Bible teaches us that rubble and a humble heart and a willing to take heart is all you need. It's all you need. 
So if you're waiting for more resource or more substance, God wants to tell you that the rubble, the brokenness, is all you need to build back better. God, in fact, he has spoken wonders to us already. He's revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus. He has filled us with his own spirit. Look, these are all treasures and joys that Nehemiah didn't have in the way that we have them in their fullness. He didn't have the the fulfilled word of Scripture that gave the very last word on God's plan of redemption and restoration, but we have that. He had the Scriptures that foresaw Christ, but he didn't see Christ. Here we live with every single day colored and shaped by the living Christ. He didn't know what it was for the Spirit of Christ to be poured out in a latter day's way, but we do. How much more? does God want to build through his people today? They built a city. God wants to build the city of God. They built it in a location. God wants to build in every location. You have everything you need. Everything you need. You know, don't wait for God to give you a calling or to call you. He already has. He already has. I was really surprised of all people. I read these words from Pope Francis. And he said this, he said, it is essential that the revealed word radically enrich our catechesis. Now, that's a funny word, but it means your spiritual formation. And all our efforts to pass on the faith, we do not blindly seek God. That's good news, isn't it? You're not casting about in the dark. We do not wait for him to speak to us first, for God has already spoken. He says there is nothing further that we need to know which has not been revealed to us. Let us receive the sublime treasure of the revealed word. Now, I know there's some, something Pentecostal within us that's kind of rebelling a bit against that, isn't it? And we're like, but what about the rhema word of God? You know, we need the now and, and we need the more. And, and you know what I believe very strongly, Christians, is if you cared enough about the then, then God would give you more of the now. I believe if you invested yourself in the things that God had already said, then he'd say more things to you. I believe it's considerably easier to redirect a ship that's already sailing than one that's anchored in the harbor. Come on, church. Come on, church. It's given us everything we need. Look, all that we really need is our renewed devotion to holiness, our investment in prayer. Really care about what God has said. Take the rubble of your experience of your brokenheartedness, and if you don't have any of that left, left yet, then let God break your heart. He doesn't need shining. God values a broken and a contrite heart. And then this last time as we were in the Scriptures together, we saw that risk then is a necessary first step. Oftentimes, the, thing that I'm, the things that I'm sharing with you, you know, I hope that they're always biblically correct. If they're not, you should really challenge me. It's the responsibility of a congregation. Um, but if they are, then the truth is, oftentimes they sound a bit risky. Uh, you might have heard it put this way, that the way to spell faith is R-I-S-K. Was that in this week's Alpha presentation? I think it was. And you might have heard it the other way, that just another word for risk is faith. When the Bible invites you to take heart, it's inviting you to have Courage. We heard the story of an old missionary, George, who went to China, Wenzhou. He had one wooden leg. <laughs> and he said, I do not see those with two legs going, so I must 
That's building something out of the rubble of your experience, isn't it? It's incredible stuff. There's a missiologist called Ed Stetzer, and he, he said it like this. He said, now is the time when God's people need to stand up, stand out, and stand in the gap. It's very pertinent, isn't it? It's pertinent for that imagery of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. And the people were invited to stand up, to stand out, to stand in very literal gaps of brokenness and to build what was new in God. The same is true of you and me today. It's true. Pray your prayers, weep your tears, dream your dreams, and then take a risk. Take a risk. Now what we're going to see today is that risk I think I've said this already today, is it's not a flash-in-the-pan moment. It kind of feels like it, doesn't it? We're kind of used to that imagery of, you know, there comes just a crisis moment, and then somebody does a singular thing, and then all of a sudden it all comes together beautifully. It's a bit Hollywood, isn't it? It's a bit Hollywood. And they have to do that because they've got to fit it into, like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. I've been told that Fast and the Furious 9 is two and a half hours long. Two and a half hours of people driving cars fast. There must, surely there is more to life than this. I don't know. But they have to fit it into these kind of moments, don't they? These little kind of, you know, little snippets. So it all kind of happens like that. And do you know what that causes within us? It causes a kind of a theology that I've heard referred to, get this, as, as Disney princess theology. Have you ever thought of yourself as a Disney princess? Come on, gentlemen. Beyond, no. Um, maybe, but the point is, we often see ourselves within these little kind of neatly, hermetically sealed kind of moments. And there's just this clear little hero who kind of comes on the scene and there's this arc of their story and it all happens like that. And then everyone lives happily ever after. Now, <laughs> there is coming a day when we will all live happily ever after. Can I get an amen? Have you read the end of the book? Do you know that Jesus wins? Do you know that because of that, you win? Oh, come on. You should be happier about being a winner. <laughs> we win because he wins. But he's the hero. And, and if we fall into thinking in any other way, then we start to practice Disney princess theology, where we're this kind of hero in this kind of moment of experience and it's all going to happen. It's all going to just be done and dusted. Look, it's not like that in the Christian life. Has anyone experienced this? You, you kind of have to go and go and go and go and go again. There's a risk, and then there's a reward, and then there's a rest. Don't worry, it happens well. God's got it planned. But then after the rest, there's another risk, and another reward, and another rest. And then surprise, surprise, there's another risk, and another reward, and another rest. Now, all too often, Christians, what we do is we, we think that we're kind of Disney princesses, and we think we've made our risk, and the reward has come, and now the rest is happening, and we imagine the credits are rolling. Not yet. The credits aren't rolling yet. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. <laughs> well, let me put it a bit blunter, shall I? Jesus hasn't come again yet. And... You're not dead yet. Can I say it like that? And because those two things are true, there's another risk for another reward and another bit of rest. And it'll keep on going like that until Jesus comes again. And that's good. You're not intended to rest on your laurels until Jesus comes again. You know who that is? 
That's the guy who had the, that one talent and buried it in the ground because he was scared. Take heart. And if you say, I'm always scared, well, then hear this. You can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. He has won. And he wants to work out his victory in your lives. Risk is not about a flash-in-the-pan moment. It's about faithfulness. It's about daring great things for the kingdom of God, for the sake of the world. It's a change of mindset, attitude, living and speaking. It's for the long haul. And, you know, it's, it's very hard. You know, this morning I'm wanting us to think about change. Boo, 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 how dare you say such a thing. Goodness gracious. Um, change. Scriptures teach us that God's intention is to change us from one degree of glory into another. Now you're all, yay, <laughs> I'll have it after all. <laughs> Do you know that it's the kind of change you don't like that leads to the kind of change you do like? Did you know that? You know, it's been said so many times, but it's not, it's not a cliche. You know, Christ Jesus has proven this to us. There is no crown without a cross. And he invites you into the way of the cross. The last six words of any organization, indeed of any church, are these. We've always done it that way. Christians, if you say, I've always done it that way, they'll be the last six words of your spiritual growth or effectiveness in this life. Are you happy with that? There's a story from way, way, way back when off the coast of South America. And... Um, there were some Peruvians there who, you know, kind of knew the lay of the land and what was going on. They were out in their boat going around a portion of the, the, the Atlantic coast there, and they came across a, a shipload of Spaniards. It's a cautionary tale about uh, the times of European expansionism when ignorance tried to dominate the world. But there you go. That's another thing. But the Peruvians came round, and there's the Spanish ship, and they'd laid down anchor, but something immediately wasn't right. They could see there was no activity on the boat. And even though they weren't very far from land, in fact, from the mouth of the Amazon, in fact, um, nothing was happening. And so the Peruvians made their way over to check out what was happening. And, um, and they found these Spaniards, and they looked in a terrible condition. Uh, and there they were, um, laying out upon this ship, and they were actually dying from dehydration. For one reason or another, they'd not been able to get fresh water, and they'd literally come to the end of themselves. And so the Peruvians said to them, you know, how can we help you? And they said, we need fresh water. Water, we need fresh water. And the Peruvians said, oh, that's easy. Just stick a bucket over the side of your boat. And the Spaniards said, this makes no sense. We're in the ocean. And so they look at them, we need fresh water, don't play with us. But because of desperation and because the Peruvians continued to say to them, just put the bucket down, put the bucket down, put the bucket They did. And they brought the bucket up, and lo and behold, fresh water. And the Spaniards are drinking it back. And then they finally get to this kind of moment, like, what is this miracle? How is it that we're in the ocean? Have you turned salty water into fresh water? But look, here's the truth of it. It's something much more prosaic than that. 
the Amazon flows so strongly out into the ocean, especially at low tide, that the fresh water completely dominates the salty water in that area. They didn't know this. They were relying on what they knew from times past and other places and other experiences. And if they hadn't been willing to take a risk and to try something new, they'd be dead. It's a word of God for anybody. I read this week of a, an article that was posted in the Wall Street Journal through this pandemic year and it was about organizations, businesses that have gone under um, through the year. And there's a wonderful quote from it that was said, the coronavirus has been the proverbial tide going out, exposing who's been swimming naked. Now, I was in two minds about sharing that this morning, because that's a fairly horrible image, isn't it, for anybody? And nobody's had enough coffee for that. But you understand what's, what the sense is. The truth of the matter was there were an awful lot of big corporations that were swimming naked. But then when the tide went out, you can't do that anymore. You know, we have it on our high streets, don't we? House of Fraser, Debenhams, the Arcadia Group, your top shops and all that kind of stuff. And they've gone under or they've been taken over and turns out an awful lot were swimming naked. In the US, there's the Hertz Rent-A-Car Company. Have you heard of them? You must know them. And, you know, they actually pioneered what it was to rent a car. They were 102 years old as a company when they went belly up. They began, get this, with 12 Ford Model Ts. That's how old they are. 12 Ford Model Ts in the city of Chicago, pioneering the rental car company at its 2014 peak. It's not that long ago, is it? 2014, it seems like five minutes ago. Except for young people. Horrible, wonderful young people. Uh, it's five minutes ago. At its 2014 peak, their market value exceeded $14 billion. And it's gone. It's gone. It's astonishing, isn't it? It's just, uh, clearly, you've got a lot more money than me. I find this astonishing. <laughs> you know, like it's pocket change, Pastor Greg. <laughs> Let me turn your pockets upside down. <laughs> it's astonishing. Swimming naked. The last six words of a, a Christian who wants to be effective is, I've always done that, that way. The last six words of a church that wants to persist into God's future, not the future, God's future, is we've always done it that way. Come on, here are the words that any Christian and any church can say to really enter into what God has for us. Here they are. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? And what am I going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I suspect many of you are pretty familiar with those kinds of words being part of this church for a while. But come on, how often do we ask them and apply them? These words are the words of change. Risk sparks the engine. But a willingness to change fuels the engine to keep going. You're going to need to spark the engine multiple times as you go through. But unless you're willing to be a person that embraces change and movement, then it's just going to be a sparked engine that's idling by the curb. You know, last week, I, 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 I asked of you, and please God, the Holy Spirit inspired of you, to determine to take a risk. 
What are you going to do with that risk? Is the risk going to become the beginning of something? Or are we going to let the risk or just that moment of energy and emotion become the ending of something? Are you going to say, I've always done it that way, though? That was nice last week, but I've always done it that way. Movement, change. Nehemiah took great risks, but then he carried on putting one foot in front of another. He went to the king of Persia, and he said, I was very afraid. But then he said, could you send me? Let me go. Give me letters. Give me equipment. Give me a home. He was willing to do the big ask, wasn't he? He took the risk, but then once he'd taken the risk, what would it have been worth if he didn't pack his bag and go? What would it have been worth if the king had said yes, and then Nehemiah had got home, looked around himself and thought, but I'd always done it this way. He wouldn't have entered into what the risk in God enables You dare great things for God. You do great exploits for God. God opens the door, but you've got to go through it. I think actually Christians, you know, we we often spend our time saying, God, would you give me a calling? God, would you open a door? And God says, would you just please look? There's doors open, blooming well everywhere. You haven't walked through any in a while. Either you're quiet because I'm wrong, or you're quiet because I'm really right. Nehemiah kept on keeping on. He kept on keeping on. How? Because it's hard, isn't it? And it's no good me just standing here and just saying, do it. (laughs) Does that sound like the gospel to you? It doesn't sound like the gospel to me. So it's worthless. If it's not grace-infused and powered by God, then it's not going to happen, is it? So how did Nehemiah invite that into his life so that... Uh, God might accomplish the things that he was you know, partnering with God in. I was going to read to you the whole of Nehemiah chapter 3 right now. But I kept on yammering on at the beginning, and we're kind of running out of time. So you're going to have to read it. I did invite you weeks ago to read the book of Nehemiah as we've been going on. Should we take a straw poll? <laughs> you, if you've not got there yet, this is not like a shame moment. This is a, this is a Holy Spirit conviction moment. And, um, and, and there is still time. Read the scriptures. There's no point just having me tell you about them. Nehemiah chapter 3. And it's all about rebuilding the wall. I was going to read it to you partly so that you could hear me stutter over all of the fantastical names that are found in this chapter. Maybe I've dodged a bullet this morning. And I'm just going to draw some thoughts out of it. It is about people who actually did the faithful work that Nehemiah's risk had sparked. Now, it begins with clarity. You know, that's why this morning, when we were inviting the Holy Spirit to break out, I invited you to ask for something clearly, to have some clarity and direction, because I think, looking around, and I don't know about those on the live stream, but I'm fairly sure we're all humans. Anybody not a human, maybe, today? Um, You know, I'll pray for you afterwards. I don't know, maybe it's better not to be. I don't know. Um, I think we're all humans, which means that sometimes we have good intentions, but we lack clarity. We don't come up with a plan. Nehemiah was as clear as the nose on your face. He was as plain as day. He teaches me a thing or two. The work we can see 
It gets organized. In chapter 2, Nehemiah is beginning all this organization that outplays in chapter 3, and he organizes it around families. We as a church are organized around extended families. Did you know that? We call them transformed communities. And they're not people who are all biologically related to one another. No, they're people who are invested in one another's lives as though extended families on a shared part of the mission of God. If you're not part of a transformed community, then you've totally missed the point of our church. I'm just going to put that out there as plain as the nose on your face. These are the ways in which we disciple one another, care for one another, and go together on the mission of God. This is how we do the great exploits. Because I know that if I say, on my own, I'm going to take a risk, then there's a number of times out of ten, I'm not going to tell you how many, I'm not going to do it. I need people to hold me accountable. I need people to spur me on toward love and good works. I need people to pick up the pieces when I get it wrong and pick me up when I stumble and fall. Is it just me? Anybody else? Come on. And he organized the people around families on mission. And look, don't forget, it was really work. If you read chapter 2, for instance, you'll find that in there, the words are, sorry, in chapter 3, the words that crop up over and over again, the word repair 27 times, built 13 times, there's work to be done. If anybody's ever told you that the Christian life doesn't involve any work, then they were fibbing. They were spinning you a line. There's plenty of work. Huge amounts of devotion. It costs you nothing to receive Jesus Christ. It costs you everything to follow him. There's work. And then within this, there's an indication that, you know, the people, they gave everything that they had. And some of them emerged as leaders within the work. That appears eight times in this chapter. But they were leaders not because somebody gave them a badge or because they had a title. Not actually because they were smarter than anyone else or better looking than anyone else or whatever than anyone else. It's because they just did the work. And they were the ones who went to the work first. And they were the ones who left the work last. And they were the ones who put it all in. That's, that's leadership in the kingdom of God. It's not anything else. It's not anything else. And there are some absolute wonders within this group. There they are, working next to. Now, the word there, it means by their hand. Is there anybody near you that you can touch with your hand? Is there, is there anyone near you who's fallen asleep and they need a little shove from your hand? You know, you should feel free right now. Just a tickle, maybe. Um, no, you're all so polite and charming, I don't know. Uh, but they were that close to one another. <laughs> so a few people shuffle away from each other at that point. <laughs> you're not in my bubble, you're not tickling me. Um, they, they were that close to one another by their hand. And there, the, the leaders were there and everybody was there. The priests were there, chapter 3 in the first couple of verses. Next them, 28 times. It's close work. The leadership in the kingdom, the work of the kingdom, making the risk turn into change and movement. It's, an, it's a work of connectedness. Look, if anybody's ever told you that you can get the job done on your own, then again, they've been spinning you a line. It's a fib. It's not in the Bible. The Christian church is of community. It is of family. Jesus says, I'm the head, good news, and you're the body, every bit 
of the body interconnected. Don't we know that when one part of the body goes wrong, it has huge implication for all the other parts of the body? Don't we know there are people in our church family and we're wanting them to, to know God's healing touch and rest- restoration? And it's not because everything's gone wrong, something's gone wrong. You know, we're praying for people, aren't we? We're praying for Richie, Ted, Thel, praying for Frankie, aren't we? And something's gone wrong and we're saying, Jesus, make them well. This is the image of the church. You don't, you don't manage it on your own. You don't manage it on your own. Interconnectedness in this clear work that is conducted through families. Some people really gave it everything they had. We don't have time to dwell on it all, but I just want to highlight one person, a guy called Baruch. And there he is in verse 20 of chapter 3. And he is noted as having carefully repaired. I love that. And it's like when somebody was surveying the work afterwards, where they like, not so careful, not so careful. Ooh, careful. Um, anybody else? Just <laughs> Why is that brick sticking out? Um, what's going on there? It's like, why did they use some baked bean tins? What's... But this guy, you've got no imagination, do you? Let's just, leave, let's just lay it on the line. There's nothing going on in your heads whatsoever. God bless you. Um, this guy carefully repaired. And I love what that word actually means. That word carefully, it contains the sense of burning with passion. Have you ever thought of careful as meaning that? We always think of careful as playing it safe, don't we? We think of it as being the neat and tidy stuff. But careful in its truest sense means full of care. It doesn't necessarily mean the entire in this context, in, in the, the taking of the risk and turning it into the longed-for change, the sense of movement towards the coming of King Jesus. Careful is burning with passion. You look at yourself in the mirror. Am I burning with passion for the things that I'm laying my hand to faithfully? You know, will someone come along and survey my bit of the wall and say, well, he was clearly an amateur, but he was careful. He was clearly limited, but you can tell he was burning with passion. That, this is what we're talking about. Stop worrying about doing it all right. Stop freaking out about somebody coming along to your work and saying, well, that's not very neat and tidy. I could care less. <laughs> Does anybody care about neat and tidy anymore? I hope not. Come on. If this year has taught us anything, it's taught us that we can be as neat and tidy as we want, but then something will come along, and that whirlwind will just whip up all our neat and tidy and chuck it back down on the floor. Why be neat and tidy? I'm looking around to see if there are any teenagers in the room. And the parents are like, how dare you say that? How dare you? I've been training up my child in the way they should go. (laughs) All right, kids, maybe a bit of neat and tidy. But then, you know, when you get out of your bedroom, just a ruckus. Holy Spirit-filled chaos. Can we have some of that? I'm sorry, you're the closest, so. Oh, yes. Holy Spirit-filled chaos. Can we have some of that? Come on, young people. Come on. Yay. Sorry, she's up for it. (laughs) Time is, like, gone. It's crazy, isn't it? I don't know. They pick up the work. They get stuck in. And then there's this wonderful moment where some people, they do what they felt God had given them. They took the risk. 
They saw the rewards. And then there's this kind of temptation to rest. And maybe there was a bit of rest. It's not a bad thing to rest. Sabbath is about rest. If you're not going to rest today, you're doing it wrong. They do a bit of the rest, but then they go again. Have you spotted these guys in chapter Chapter 3? Verse 21, Merimoth completed another section. Verse 24, Binui did another section. Verse 27, the Tekoites repaired another section. Verse 31, Meshalem prepared another section. It's not just individuals. Remember, it's the families. They've got clarity. They're doing the work. They're doing it with as much devotion as they can muster. But they go again. You know, John Piper, he says something rather wonderful, and he should know. He said, there's no such thing as retirement. (laughs) I know (laughs) that for some of you in the room, you're like, hang on a mo. (laughs) Hang on a mo. I'm all right with everything else you've said. (laughs) Hands off my retirement. (laughs) It's because I'm bitter, basically. Um, By the time it comes around, I'll be like 70 or something by the time it comes around for me. Um, 80, I don't know. I'm not bitter. But the point he's making is, we just, we rest, and then we risk something new in a different way. And then we see a different kind of reward, and it looks different, and your rhythms might be more spacious and wonderful, and God bless you for it. I'm not bitter. Brotherly affection. (laughs) Bob Buford, who was this incredible executive, but then he reimagined his life. He wrote a book called Half Time, If you're moving into like the second phase of life or a new phase of life, you should read it. It's fantastic. He said, for the second half of life, whatever it looks like, to be better than the first, you must make the choice to step outside of the safety of living on autopilot. You must wrestle with who you are, why you believe what you profess to believe about your life. And what you do to provide meaning and structure to your daily activities and relationships. That's a challenge, isn't it? But he did it in Christ. I've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. Risk. Investing in the movement, the change. Now look, I know some of us were like, I don't know what I've got left in the tank. I'm not sure right now. I I just feel like I don't know. That's okay. That's all right. Take a breath. (laughs) Don't wait for the rest of your life. Take a breath. Have a think. Drink deep of God. Get close. Listen. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. Or maybe almost a never-ending series of short sprints <laughs> with the renewal and the rest and the reward. I heard a story about um, a, an African sulcata tortoise. It's one of these giant land tortoises. Have you seen the things? Massive. It's a meter across. It's big, eh? And um, nine stones he weighs... And apparently he made a mystery escape from his garden there in Suffolk. How does something that big make a mystery escape? It's like, he learned to operate the latch on the gate. Better than that, he managed to get a full mile away from his garden before being spotted down the road near Ipswich. 
and reported to the police. <laughs> so you see a giant tortoise, you're like, well, police. That's just not right. <laughs> Anyhow, he has a top speed of 0.3 miles per hour. 0.3. <laughs> Erin keeps on inviting me to run with her, and I'm like, I think I go at 0.3 miles per hour, so you enjoy. <laughs> um, he didn't go very far, very fast, did he? But he just kept on going. He just kept... Does anybody feel like a giant African land tortoise? It's all right, it's church, you can be honest. 0.3 miles an hour. I feel like I move like that. And, but, you know, I'm trying to help, let God help me not to let that be a place of frustration, but be, be a place of faithfulness. Yeah? I'm going to carry on taking risks, and I'm going to keep on plugging into them. And, and, you know, things move more slowly. And do you know what moves the slowest? The reformation of my own character. That's frustrating, isn't it? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get a mile down the road to Ipswich. Slow and steady wins the race. Well, probably not quite. Commitment and faithfulness wins the race. Risk. I don't know how tortoises think. Does anyone know how tortoises think? Do you think he saw his opening somehow, didn't he? Can you imagine? There he is, and the post he comes and delivers something. Maybe there was a, like some devastatingly sad letter, or maybe there were cakes. Let's say it's cakes. And then the people inside, they're eating their cakes, and they don't notice that the postie's left the gate open. But, and the tortoise was called Titan, by the way. It gets better, doesn't it? <laughs> Titan, he eyes his chance. Now, or at least over the next hour, is my chance. I shall get through that gate. You just feel it. Is anyone rooting for Titan? Go again, Titan. First time, next to Felix Stowe. <laughs> is that near there? I think that's near there, ish. And he's just, he's going to have a go, isn't he? And he just plods. Just in, and there's risk, isn't there? And then there's plodding. And I reckon we can do the plodding. Does anybody want to put a risk before they're plodding? It's what it takes. It's what it takes. Come on, would you stand with me? Would the team who are leading us in our closing time stand with me? Now look. Some of you, you're like, well, that's great, Greg, but truth is, I've done it before. Hmm. There we were in Nehemiah 3, and they, they build the walls. But you know what happens in Nehemiah 5? They discover that the people within the walls are pretty rotten, and they're oppressing the poor to the point of them remortgaging their land and selling their kids into slavery, basically. It's wretched, isn't it? And so they've got to go again because the walls weren't enough, but they've got to go again. There's another risk required. Nehemiah, he actually sinks his own cash into this one. And other people who get his heart, they do the same and they, they, they make things new and they reset the community and they enforce the law and they call out the sin. They've got to go again. There's another risk. There's more change. There's more movement. Chapter 5 seems good. So what happens? Chapter 10. In chapter 10, the people, they've committed to tithing of their produce, of their resources. And then Nehemiah says, we've built this city, but there's no one in it. 
And so they have to tithe themselves. One in ten people gives up everything that they had and know and goes into the city. Risk. Faithfulness to move. It couldn't be more obvious than that, could it? They have to go again. And Nehemiah, then he has to go back to Persia. But from there, chapter 13, he hears that the people have lost their devotion again. And so they've got to go again. And he's got to risk again everything of his reputation. He's at a distance now, but he's got to risk everything he's sown into this community. He doesn't know how this is going to go. It sounds a bit like Paul, doesn't it, writing his letters. And he's laying everything on the line because it really matters that the community get this. Be devoted. Serve. Go. When I was a kid, in school we did... Um, go on, thank you. Um, when I was a kid in school, we did this experiment. I don't know whether you'd be allowed to do it anymore. It involved snails. And we were, we were to get like a little, um, I forget what it was, just some sort of little something. I think a little glass pipette or something. And we had to tap the eye stalk of the snail. All right, you're all on board with this, okay. <laughs> I thought that was bad. But, and the idea was, what would happen was, when you tapped it first, it would just suck it in, yeah? But then, because you weren't actually causing it harm, it would come back out. And we had to determine how many times would you tap it before it just kind of didn't suck it in anymore. And kind of just got on with it. it was, you're looking at me like I'm a sociopath. I'm not, I promise. The teacher told me to do it. Um, <laughs> And it got me thinking, I feel like some of us, maybe we're a bit like a, a snail's eye stalk. You came for compliments today, didn't you? And, and you've been tapped, and you, poof, and you responded, and then you go in again, you go in again, you go in again. You, go, you got a bit weary with it all, haven't you? And, and I, I, I don't know, you're getting tapped, but you're like, well, I'm not going to go and move and do anything. It doesn't make any difference. I'm just, I'm just going to tough it out. Come on, close your eyes, church. Would you do that at home, here, wherever you are? Come on. Oh, we said before, this is not about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not a pull-your-finger-out moment. This is a Jesus-I-need-you moment. They always are, aren't they? Every moment of every day of your whole life until he comes again is Jesus-I-need-you. And he's coming again in person, but he's coming right now by his, by his Spirit. And we say, Jesus somebody G's me up, I might have a risk moment, but truth be told, I don't really follow through. I don't really build. I'm, I'm scared of, of not, not being neat and tidy. You know, I'm, I'm scared of putting it all out there. I'm scared of the cost of change. Maybe I've done it before. Maybe I did it once and it went really well, but I'm done now. Thank you very much. Maybe it didn't go so well and now I'm scared. Jesus meet us where we are please God would you come and nourish us and renew us Jesus for every heart that wishes to be made glad in you by means of your invitation that call of Christ come and follow me come and follow me Jesus would you make them glad in you make them glad in you Jesus Jesus or make us glad in you Lord Jesus God, let it never be said of us that we, we've always done it that way. God, make us new. Move us on. 
change and change and change again. You've got this. You're in control. You'll never leave us, never forsake us. You'll never let us down. Underneath are your everlasting arms. It might be a bit scary. But you are good. Time is gone. I'm going to invite the team just to sing over us as we go. This evening, we have the opportunity to gather around communion at 8 p.m. I know most of you don't do it, but come on. Just put some rhythms into your life that will help you to know success in Christ Jesus. Help yourself out. And um, go in the grace of God. And we shall look forward to doing God's work together next Sunday is our scattered Sunday. We don't gather in the morning. We gather in our transformed communities. So if you're not part of one, you are going to miss out. Please don't miss out. I feel so bad for you that you're missing so much. Ask me, ask Ronald. Maybe Ron will be at the back of the church and um, we'll help you to get connected and know the blessing of that. And uh, God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you so much. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.